call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 98 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Annika Tiernan, go through our best of 2022 lists, including a top five of Toss, Pick, and Companion films, best films and TV series released in 2022, and a few other surprises along the way. The podcast contains minor spoilers for a few of the films and shows mentioned, but we give spoiler warnings before any major revelations. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Thank you for listening. Peace. And we're live. We certainly are. Yes, well, I mean, by live, you know what I mean. Alive. Mm-hmm. Alive. Ooh, Recorded. I'm still alive. Yeah. That's I'm... impressive. You made it to 2023. I did, yeah. Are you I wasn't singing? expecting to. Well, no, I totally was. Do you, do you ever get any of that? You know, when people say, no, nah, you probably don't. You go through packing. I don't think I, I'm pretty sure I won't ever die. Yeah, yeah, me too. I just don't. <laughs> I can't this picture it. This podcast will never die. I can't picture it. Someone yeah. else will take over. I'll tell you what. This podcast is... Probably about two years old right now, and um, I'm saying this to the fans, I'm saying this to you, Andy, you know, I mean, it's one of my favorite things I do, I absolutely love it. It keeps me on the straight and narrow when it comes to consuming vast amounts of media and ignoring my family, and for that I'm (laughs) internally grateful. Um, Are you just, like, blaming me for that? Is that what you tell your wife? No. And your infant child? To be honest, for the first year, my, my wife was annoyed by it, but... In the second year, she's been kind of quite impressed that I've kept something going as long. Um, mm. And I'm going to say something. It's been tempting to occasionally just lie uh, and say this is for the podcast. I've never done it. Yeah, well, I think you've got at least a few of those in your back pocket then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> this year coming up. I, did, <laughs> did, what, I mean, The week we were watching probably. the terminal list, oof, that was a problem. Because she, she could see it in my face. She was just like, you don't even like this. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. I can see how if you're having to force your way through something uh, and you're neglecting your fatherly duties and husbandly duties, that could be bad. The Rambo week was one as well. Was the Rambo week this Come year? Come on now, that was fine. Well, no, no it, was, it, was, it was a great year. week for me. I, 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 I didn't, I'm not protesting myself personally. I had a great time. Well, this time round, now that 2022 is done, mm. in this episode we're going to be giving our top five... Starting with that, our top five toss picks and accompanying picks. So while everyone else is giving their best of 2022, our best of 2022 includes stuff that maybe goes back as far as the 1960s? Oh, wow. 50s? You go 90s? back that far? <laughs> How far? Oh, well, we'll Last find out, week? I suppose. Yeah. Apart from that, the other uh, categories that we we're going to talk about our worst toss pick or mm. uh, accompanying film that we had to watch. The best film of 2022 that was released in 2022. That we watched for the podcast, or? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm going to uh, say both. I'm going to say both. Yeah, I, yeah. We'll I have do my both. both. Best TV series of 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I've also, we could maybe talk about things that we're looking forward to in 2023. Yeah, I'm up for that. I can think of a couple. All right. 
So I guess we're going to count down from five to one. We haven't shared our list with each other. So if we do have the same thing, we should probably just let that one person go ahead and say what they want to say and then... Okay, unless they miss uh, some of around. your points. Let's <laughs> yes. say, unless you forgot to mention. Oh, well, okay, all right, okay, if you want. Uh, no, no, okay, forget that. If if we coincide on any, we should just, we'll, we'll just put them straight out and say, and say, this is it. This is, it's my number, my number one. <laughs> you got to pick another. Is Blackula. <laughs> no, <laughs> you just, you just reveal it early. You just be like, oh, that's also my number three yeah 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 for sure for sure okay. like that so we'll that's, that's that. the way we'll i would have done it yeah 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 okay 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 it's um, just that's controversial about, in, in top five countdown lists but hold on how about i do my five and you do your five and we go like that no we have to do one about it's mad to have one person talking for forever but that's what i, I was saying i do my five you do your five i do my four you, you do, do num- you yeah exactly yeah yeah that's what i mean but what i'm saying is like imagine my five is your number two yeah no no no. i know i know just mention it and then you say like oh that's my number two and that's yeah. my number two and then i'll say more about it later okay all right yeah exactly okay okay i'm glad i'm keeping all of this in by the way so yeah you- good so people know how the art of podcasting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is done these are conversations that could be had in our spare time but listen we don't have a lot of spare time no we don't we're busy so men we talk andy's wearing a hat microphones you know it's cold still uh do you want to start i think you should go no you go first no you go first okay i'll give you the chance to guess it is uh one from the heart it is not (laughs) Uh, (laughs) my number five is deep red profundo rosso as i mentioned several times over the last two years i think i am a sucker for all things jello horror and um more as often for the bad aspects of them as for the good aspects of it, but this is this is just, this is not only just the good. This is the best Jalo that I've seen, I think. Um, but it's also just simply a really good film. I think it features all the trappings that I love about the Jallos, like the supernatural elements and the the black glove first person stuff and the prog rock bands and the theatric kills. But it's also well shot. It's unnerving. There's a very scary shot with a doll. I remember you were very scared by where it flies into the room uh, for no reason. That was the other thing that quite got me about it because it it also marks, if you look at the history of Jello, it's one of the first ones to really just put logic out the window because, of course, they descend from like Agatha Christie murder mysteries, those kind of films. But they gradually got more and more crazy because they people realized people... We're just going for the kills. In that way, it's a real predecessor for the um, for the slasher movies. Um, but also, the plot pays off in this. Do you remember what the the ending is? Yeah, uh, I do. It's the woman very... pretending to be a pitcher, but she's not a pitcher. Yeah, she, she was, was in the... and then we get to, we get to see again, and it's it's exactly. I assume it's exactly as we saw it earlier in the film. I haven't gone. It back is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually was we see the creepy old lady in a mirror. I dug back into all um, my top five today, just a little bit. Um, and, uh, well, basically when my child was napping, <laughs> this one I got there. But I, it was fun doing it. And I was actually listening to, first of all, the Deep Red soundtrack by Goblin, which is only two tracks, which is great fun. And it was unnerving. And it made me think, oh, God, I got to watch more Jello. Anyway, that's my number five. I enjoyed it a lot. I think you did too, right? Yeah. Should I tell you where this features on my list? Oh, please do. It was my number two. Oh, wow. Now yeah. we're having the crack. We're just going to yeah. be in and out of each other's pockets for this whole list. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you bet. But I'll, I'll talk about that when we when we get when I get to my number two. My number five, care to guess? Um, That's right, it is Blackula. Blackula? No, it's not. No, it's not. Obviously not. Okay, Last Tango in Gay Perry. Well, I'd already seen that, and I'm... 
I have the same rules as you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. The same rules apply. We can only Otherwise, Master and Commander would be my top five. Sure, that'd be all. It'd be each of the five entries. Yeah, you can only choose things that you were watching for the first time. So that's why our list will definitely vary, because I'd already seen Last Tango in Paris. So my number five is a little film called Nitrum. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where that feature's on mine. Oh, okay, okay. So this was Justin Kurzel's version of the 1996 Port Arthur Massacre in Tasmania, starring Caleb Landry-Jones as the titular Nitrum, which is Martin backwards, because it's based Pretty on clever. the real Martin Bryant. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> what, that's a starring point. That's This guy's a genius. Yeah, based on the real Martin Bryant who killed 35 people using two semi-automatic rifles and in one of Australia's most tragic uh, events. Uh, altered their gun laws. I would say this film feels like the culmination of Kurzel's career so far. We did watch his entire filmography in the same week, if you remember. Yeah. So you've got this naturalistic depiction of a tragic event in Australian history a la Snowtown, except somehow <coughs> this time round in Nitrum, he managed to do the same thing, but without the same sense of exploitation. Just a much greater, mm, I don't know, a more balanced... I'll get to it in my, in my thing, but the, I, I would say humanity is is the thi- is the, mm. the thing in in this. I I wouldn't even accuse um, Snowtown of of being exploitative. I just think it's inhumane to its audience. <laughs> it's extremely dark, and I think Kurzel uh, honed his chops through Macbeth and True History of the of the Kelly Gang, and those are the only films he made. Just those four. There was no fifth one. <laughs> I mean, You've that was. Caleb- Kind of a tough week watching a filmmaker <laughs> grow. And, you know, I mean, the last one was admittedly great. But, I mean, I'll say it. Fuck it. I a mean, long journey. Assassin's Creed was tough well, going. I might, be, I might be talking about that again later Ooh, on. Oh, spoilers. Later on in my list when I get to the number one spot. Yeah, Caleb Landry-Jones is, is unreal in this film. Agreed. Uh, he's not Australian. I know, yeah, it's, it's mad. He's not an Australian man. And he's not fat either. And he's not a murderer, as far as I know. <laughs> he hasn't used semi-automatic rifles on In the on early anyone, 90s in Tasmania, yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, I just think like that portrayal of that character is, yeah, I don't know, it was so striking. And remember the scenes where he was traveling around when he flew to Europe? Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. Like, this guy's just out there. <laughs> There's people like this just walking around. I gotta admit, uh, for, for fans of the heads. old pod, and particularly with people who uh, pick up with the films, as I discovered actually over Christmas, a lot of my friends number among that list, uh, which is they're using the podcast as it's intended to be used. They're seeing what we're talking about, going to Blockbuster, and uh, yeah, 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 it's great. It's great to see. But um, yeah, no, no, I listened back to our episode on uh, Nitrum, and um, yeah, yeah, it all came flooding back to me. To be honest, this is one that I mean. I, I the main reason for this list is really just calling out things I think people should watch, and Nitrum is one of them. Definitely, like it's a thing that I would re- I would recommend to people, but it is very dark. It's it's the whole build up to uh, a huge massacre. Yeah, but and it- you're just you're seeing a, a very disturbing character, starring with him just setting off the fireworks in the street in the first scene, and then it kind of escalates from there. It's but it, it's like rough going, but it's worth watching. It's it's difficult cinema. I, I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But I mean, sure. yeah, I, I'm a huge fan, huge fan. Yeah. Okay. Your number four is 1492: Conquest of Paradise. Go ahead. <laughs> 
I we watched not one but all three of the before trilogy, and my number four of the year is Before Sunset, uh, aka the Paris reunion, aka what yes. Richard Linklater AKA had hoped one. would happen at the premiere of the first movie. Yeah, I loved this. I, I remember telling you at the time. I um, of, of the three, I think it achieves highest in terms of the aim of the the movies, which is basically how. How likable can you make your characters together and make that just what the story is? I, I, I like. I mean, they explore different other things, but really, the whole trilogy leans on their chemistry together as actors and how much you root for them as characters. I mean, incidentally, I probably root more for uh, Ethan Hawke in the third one when he's having that big argument where he's like, <laughs> "Well, the- that that was where things went a bit too far, maybe." Well, I mean, he's like the LeBron James of spouse arguers in that third movie. It's almost unfair. He had those two moments where he absolutely dunks on her. I'm gonna. Re- I I, th- I remember one at least because um, <laughs> we know music. how your it's French about playing the guitar. Yeah, we know how your French, French ass, ass works. Uh, and it's a uh, classic. So, if, yeah. if you spend, if you put as much effort into being a bit into playing the, the playing the guitar and singing songs as you do into being a bitch, oh, you'd something be, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I as a person who had never seen any of these films before this year um, and watched them all in the, uh, like, I don't know, over two weeks, yeah, the, I think this one is the one that really just scores high in what Linklater clearly wanted to achieve with them. But like I said, that whole week was just excellent for me because as we observed, how you react to each different film is very reflective of what age you are when you're watching them. Like, you know, me, you and I watching the first film you know, even though it is compelling, you're kind of like, ah, oh, shut up, you dick munches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the second one, I felt less so about. Yeah, I probably related more to the characters in the third film, but as filmmaking, I think the second one is the best. And it's the yeah. only one that really happens in real time, which is nice to to experience. Yeah. Well, this would 100% be on my list, but I've already, I'd already seen all these films multiple times. And the one thing that I I did have that you missed out on is watching them a, a little bit. I was slightly closer in age to the characters. Yeah, yeah, you I watched them, them as you grew. So, well, yeah, so when I watched the first one, I I wasn't rolling my eyes going like Jesus Christ. These You were going, "Oh my god, they're so inspirational." <laughs> I got to go to Paris and meet a homeless Prater. lady and get her to write yeah. a poem for me. Um, that was you could do that in the nineties. You, you could, yeah. The world's too to dangerous now. There's all Islamists and I just everywhere. Stab you in the neck. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Was, I think we both your, said something inappropriate at the end of that sentence. <laughs> mine was fine, so I'm leaving it in. All right, do leave mine in too, please. Well, guess what my number four is. Go ahead. Um, geez, I have no idea. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this: it's something you'd already seen, so it can't be on your list. Yeah, exactly. So I can't properly think of it. Is it Master and Commander? As a general rule, you've—I <laughs> already seen that. Uh-huh. As, a, as a general rule, you'd see more of these films than I had. I mean, that's yeah, that's it. That seemed to have, have worked out the way it was. I have no idea, um, but I'll say Picnic at Hanging Rock. That's a good idea. It is not. This one is from the Germans. Victoria. It is Victoria. Oh, very good. Yeah, that was great fun. Sebastian Schipper's real-time one-take heist film set in Berlin with 138-minute runtime successfully sells the idea, some spoilers here, Mm. but successfully sells the idea of a woman falling in with a group of criminals just while cycling down the street and they're on their way back from a night out. She decides to hook up with them and then go along on a life-changing heist. Where Which she, she leaves with a dickload of cash. 
Fair play. It's not that much, isn't it? Is it not like about 10 grand or something? I can't remember. I just remember feeling exhilarated that she got away. It's not as much money as it should be. But anyway, it's 138 minute real uh, runtime. It feels so authentic. Excellent dialogue. Realistic characters. It's got more action beats than many heavily edited films. Yeah. It it carries them off well. And I just think uh, it's something, again, I'd like to rewatch. I think about it frequently, but more because of the sort of interaction and banter with those characters just on a night out drinking. Well, I've seen it three times now. And also, I would say that is that has been my main criteria for um, what... Go- There's been only two criteria to make it... Uh, well, probably three, let's say, to make it into my top five. Haven't, hadn't seen it before I watched it for this how long it's stuck with me or how frequently I think about it mm. and the general quality of filmmaking. And yeah, like Victoria, I would think about frequently as well. Just be there, like, there are certain scenes in it. I mean, even now as a, as a parent, when they kidnap the baby at the end of it, it's mm. so they, like they mix into so many genres. Cause there are, okay. There's limitations to how well they can shoot their action considering they're sticking with the one camera all the time. Fair play. But they do it very well. Like, there's just a scene when they're um, escaping from the police where they're just hiding behind bushes in an apartment courtyard. And this, the noise of the police even talking and shooting gets louder. As you, and you... Yeah. And, and this is one take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the high bar for that now. And everybody's so busy stitching their films together. But here's the thing, is like... I loved the film 1917. I did. I saw it in the cinema twice. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Anybody who does not think, even though you can see the parts that stitched together, anybody who doesn't think that's stitched together just doesn't know anything about movies. But I, I, it's very possible I'll never watch 1917 again unless I'm passing an IMAX and it's on right then. But I'll certainly watch Victoria again. I mean, sure. it's electric, that film. It is indeed. So yeah, Victoria. What about, what's your number three? My number three, care to guess? Yes, I'm going to guess uh, it is Red Rocket. Red Rocket? Okay, in a strange way, I haven't counted Red Rocket. Hmm. Because, uh, which, why would, would it, oh yeah, when I was selecting my things. That it, was a toss pick, that wasn't like a film of 2022. Anyway. Let me see. What's my number five? <laughs> These insane criteria. No, no, no. I'll, 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 there's a, I'll, Red Rocket will be on my shout out list at the end, on which there's only okay, one okay, other okay, film, okay. so that's fine. But yeah, yeah. No, I still think my top five is solid. My number three is David Lynch's The Straight Story. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, I don't know. Do you remember how rhapsodizing I was at this film when uh, yeah. I was talking? But um, yeah, I mean, the movie is as real as death. Um, Ceci. Sissy Spacek going the full excluded. Uh, and that's the point. And it works. It's odd how simple it is. Um, comfortably the most straightforward of Lynch's films, but also more so than most films in general in terms of story. It's so tough to get what's actually happening, even though it's straightforward, that when I actually did, I like I remember I cried like a baby. Um, when he, And it was just slightly before he meets his brother when he gets backed up on the road. Like, it's about the simplifying effect of impending mortality at, on one's life. Um, also, were it not for um, the lead in my number one film, Richard Farnsworth would be a shoe in for my performance of the year. I think he's amazing in this film. But, je- like, generally speaking, just to see somebody like... I mean, also, there's... It had the effect of, like, let's say, watching Hearts of Darkness on me because you get to watch someone like 
David Lynch, strip away all his dream effects and just focus in on a very simple, straight story. And straight story. Yeah, yeah. And just, I don't know, I, I found it really, really profound, the way that film is structured. And the like, just towards the end, end of it, you realize, oh, this is the reason he's doing it, because there's nothing else he could do at this moment. It's just, you know, you've got to be close to people. And I, I found it really beautiful, and um, I will watch that again, for sure. Hmm. Well, I'd already seen the straight story before when it came out, but I don't think it moved me as much as it did you. I enjoyed it, but I don't know. I didn't I didn't really care about the character that much. I didn't connect with it in a way that you did, which is interesting. I liked some of the Lynchian elements rewatching it of the the creepiness of the the woman who keeps hitting the deers. The neighbors and the, yeah, and all, exactly. <laughs> There's a, the woman who's talking about, on the phone about how deers just keep jumping out from nowhere and she smacks them with her No, they're and funny and, and that, but it's just like, it was like, like I, th- I think there's another scene a little bit before he finally gets to um, Harry Dean Staunton's house, his brother, where he stops in a bar and he has his, like he hasn't drank in years and he has like one oh, beer yeah, before he goes to World meet him. War II. Yeah, and he does it. Yeah, exactly. And, and he, 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 he t- exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that shook me because you know Farnsworth was a veteran as well. We spoke right. about it on the episode. Um, it. And it like I don't know. You just get the because also as well. And Lynch didn't know this, but Farnsworth was dying of cancer at the time. Nobody knew it. And then Farnsworth took his own life years later. I just I I think it's tough. <laughs> Only about a year later, just after the film came out. He shot himself. I, I think it's tough to imagine a film with more real life pathos than the, this. Right, a fictional film, to, well, a fictionalized film, a narrative film with more real life pathos than the straight story. It's it's incredible. What about fourteen ninety two Conquest of Paradise? I mean, that's the exception that proves the rule, Andy. But thanks for bringing it's it. It's round. <laughs> it's round. It's round like an orange. Not, Papa, not that orange is not round. <laughs> There's no depressions in the south and north poles, as far as I know. Anyway. Uh, that's yeah, yeah yeah that's that uh, I hope I've recommended it to people highly enough that's who, that yeah it's great uh, go on what's your number three well uh, this was something you hadn't seen before but it was a film that I definitely liked way more than you did it made a big impression on me oh does that does that ring any bells no it was a film I had a strong personal connection with because it was filmed in a couple of places I lived and where you live now it oh. is uh, it was directed by Michelangelo Antonioni Oh, the passenger! The passenger! Oh yeah, I enjoyed yes. that, but you, you really loved it. Yeah, I really liked it. It's the story of uh, a journalist who runs away from his life in London for some reason. Uh, is that ever clearly explained in the film as to why he no. runs away? He just because he can, basically, no. and then he impersonates a dead gun runner that he meets uh, when he's in Africa, and then he ends up uh, on a road trip across Spain. I chose this film uh, as a film I'd never heard of. Uh, I knew absolutely nothing about it. I picked it because it starred Jack Nicholson and Maria Schneider, and it was a companion film with uh, Last Tango in Paris. But yeah, it absolutely it blew me away. Like I said, I had a personal connection to it because it was filmed in Barcelona and Almeria, where I lived. Uh, and it was, uh, as I've mentioned multiple times on the podcast, I always love seeing films which are set in a specific place and time where you can kind of, you get like a little slice of life. Yeah, of yeah, it's excellent. Were 50 odd, as 50 as you know ago, well, I'm so. a huge fan of that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I w- it just had this dreamlike quality to it. There's a, there's a, there's a madness to it of this 
this man running away from his life maybe maybe it, maybe it hints at something inside me that i haven't <laughs> that, I, that i haven't dealt with yet but uh yeah it just really spoke to me i i just uh i really really liked it the more like i'd love to see that uh, film without having any idea at all what it's about mm. because i i recall that so scene we where just he, ruined it for everyone yes i recall that scene where he steals the guy's identity you you don't know why he's doing it at all <laughs> He just, he f- finds the guy dead and starts rifling through his things and takes them and goes. And that final shot, that 360 shot, mm-hmm. where the last thing happens, I won't spoil that. That's like maverick filmmaking for the years a year yeah. it was made. And it's a really, like, it's the sort of thing that they stitch together nowadays and shame on them because you can do it and you can do it beautifully. Yeah. So yeah, check out The Passenger. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think it might still be on YouTube. It was before. But with all of these things, if you don't know where to get hold of them, just send us a message. Yeah, for real. From the FBI, and we'll help you out. We'll send you our own personal copies. Andy is heading to live in a country where everything is legal, and I live in a country where, you know, Blockbuster is still legal, so. Yeah, there's a Blockbuster on every street corner. All right, well, coincidentally, or no, my number two is the accompanying film to The Passenger was Last Tango Ah. in Paris. Um, as I mentioned, my criteria earlier is just stuff that sticks with you. Um, and I've actually watched a few scenes of this, not the sexy bits, since. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> no, I haven't. So yeah, I've been buying lots of butter. I've been buying a lot of butter, to be fair, mm. uh, non-salted. Yeah, my number two is Last Time in Paris. I've been putting off watching the, it for years, and uh, it didn't disappoint. It's as grotty and grim as a testament of bohemian sexuality in the 70s i feel should be like it is it's nasty this film it's it's not like i mean the the sex features heavily but sex features i don't know like very much from the nasty sort of male point of view i'd almost say and i don't even Mm because bernard bernardo bertolucci was a huge bohemian fella himself so maybe he didn't but like i've watched this film sort of judgmentally and the most graphic content is kind of off screen in the mind of the viewer i because there's you know there's plenty of tits and muff too uh, i can't remember does he get his knob out but he probably does but watching this film you're willing for femininity to femininity to escape from this kind of masculinity which is a very highfalutin sentence for a fellow like me to say but i've thought about this yeah. film a lot during the year it really did um Move me a lot. I found it disturbing and I found it moving. And uh, I feel it has a good ending, despite what happened to Maria Schneider during the production. I think it's excellently made. I think um, what you talked about with locations during a certain epoch rings very true with Last Tango. And Marlon Brando is monstrous, stupendous. It's an incredible performance. Um, yeah, this one has really stuck with me. You had me at tits and muff. <laughs> <coughs> now, you had seen that before, haven't, hadn't you? Yes, I had. I watched it a long time ago. I definitely connected more with it this time as a man uh, starting to get Marlon Brando's hairline <laughs> and uh, chest size. Yeah, I definitely. I saw a lot more uh, in it this time round. It, it made more sense to me this time, but um, I def I still preferred the Passenger. Fair play. Sorry, Bernardo Bertolucci. But you had you hadn't seen the last tango. Uh, you had seen last tango before anyway, so you're not pressed to. Uh, yeah, that's right. But you just decided to, to sling in an insult on a dead man anyway. Friend of the show, yeah. Bernardo Bertolucci. Yeah, and Brando. 
Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy. But I mean, uh, you know, he should have he should have eaten less butter. Yes, indeed, more ass. That's right. Uh, what's your number diet. two? Well, number you already two. know. It's, Who does number two uh, it's work called, for? Uh, <laughs> it's called Profondo Rosso. Yeah, you had a good time with this. I remember. I did indeed. I was surprised yeah, by that bread. at the time. Well, because you selected it, you were going through every single 70s Jallo film, and I did not think I was going to... I didn't... My mind was completely closed to the idea that a 70s Jallo with dubbed dialogue, where the actors were all speaking their own language, where that would feature on my top five of the year. I certainly did not see that coming whatsoever. But I think what really works about this film, apart from all the colors and the, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's very, very, very well shot. Apart from that, it's got like this mystery which has stood the test of time. I mean, it's almost 50 years old. And still, I found it shocking. I found the ending shocking. I found everything around the lady in the mirror. I rewatched the ending recently. I went on uh, YouTube and watched spoilers for Deep Red, but I watched the lady getting her head chopped off. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, getting her kind of necklace caught in the lift and then... Bloop. Oh, yeah, that's class. I just thought it was, I just thought it was solid. I thought it was an, an extremely solid film. David Hemmings, Dario Argento on top form. And we watched Suspiria the same week. Thought that was a big old pile of dog shit. Yeah, I, so I, 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 I do not like Suspiria at all. Uh, Deep Red is comfortably Argento's best film that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other good ones, but I mean, yeah. Deep Red, well, I mean, it featured uh, on my top five too. Uh, yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, you ju- you have just reminded me of multiple scenes in it just by talking about one. And the opening scene, do you remember the opening scene where the kid stabs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it, like that's the central that mystery, essentially. Paid, it all gets paid off yeah, nicely. Yeah. Great movie. They tie up all the loose ends. All right. You know what my number one is. Uh, was it something I'd already seen or not? Well, yeah. No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. It's just something no, I talked about we already. We both seeing it. So You've already talked about it. Like I said, the main criteria I judged film by was whether or not I'd seen them before or whether or not they'd stuck with me. Sorry, Master and Commander again, by the way, I truly am. After just them sticking with me, it was just a matter of judging the filmmaking, and I consider by this result, like, every film in my top five is is well made. Everyone is, yeah, everyone's well made, but none stuck with me quite so much as Nitrum. I've been talking about Nitrum oh, to yeah. people... <laughs> I'd already forgot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all year long, I've been talking to people about Nitrum, um, I, I, and its particular approach to its subject matter, I think, is like... Well, per, per, let me refer you to a cur- uh, to a current crisis. People are very upset about that. Uh, Ryan Watts's chops, the TV maker, his series about Jeffrey Ryan Dahmer, Murphy. Ryan Murphy, and his his concern for the victims. Generally speaking, I feel, man, your canvas is your canvas. Do what you're going to do. Uh, you know, if people don't like it, they don't like it. But you don't have to need to have respect for anybody. I mean, you should make it a, a, a you know a film say where the main characters are all of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims and the thrust of the plot is they all deserved it. You know, I mean, that's morally deplorable, but essentially you can make a film about whatever you want. And I, first of all, yeah, like we already said, I, th- I, I feel I'm comfortable saying this is Jump- Justin Kurzel's best film, and not least we, because we watched all of his that week. Uh, I hate the cliche that the best art will upset people, like for sure, but I do think it applies here. I think a lot of people were upset with this film, 
It's an extremely tough subject to tackle. And I think he does it, does it marvelously. I think all subjects are worth tackling if you think you've got an angle or just if you want to. And while Nitram does not make you feel sorry for its subject, despite what some reports have said, I don't think it does. I think it makes it an undeniable fact that he was human. Um, and it makes you mildly terrified of what one extremely dumb individual can achieve with a lot of money and loose gun laws. And shout out in a big way to Caleb Lendry Jones, who's incredible in this, as he is in everything. But I don't think Snowtown was necessarily exploitative. I just think it had just this grim, horrific reality at the center of it. And I think something that sort of, and I think it's mainly due to, in both cases, it's due to the performance of the lead actors. I forget the name of the lead actor in Snowtown, but he's a formidable force. He's oh yeah, yeah, electric in the film. And you just feel the whole horrible end of the film is is just coming at you. And I don't think that, like, that's the thing. I don't think there's anything to be gained from it. I have said that I don't like Snowtown, but I would never say it's a badly made film. However, I think the examination of the character of Nitram, which is pretty factual, we looked into it the week it came out, like yeah. how he depicted him. You know, he was a man with an IQ of fucking 80 or something like that. And he was able to go in and buy, like, that's, and that's so a test. A, a smart guy by all accounts. Huh? A smart guy by Indeed. all accounts. Yeah, yeah, he was one of those clever fellas. The, the most terrifying scene in the film is played completely straight with no music. He just goes into a gun shop and buys whatever he wants. It's yeah. terrifying, that scene. Um, yeah, the, this one uh, sticks with me. I, I still recommend people see it. And uh, kudos to Justin Kersel because, yeah, people did get annoyed by it, but it is... I think he tackled an important subject in a relevant way. Really, really do. Uh, like people say, don't give platforms to these people. I mean, uh, whatever. It's a fascinating thing that happened, quite frankly. And I don't think he does it in any way exploitatively. I think it's a terrifying film about a terrifying incident. And uh, yeah, that's my number one of our task picks of the year. Very nice. Would you like to hear my number one? I would love to. Well, this film stars Gerard Depardieu. As an explorer. <laughs> uh, you stole my special mentions. God damn it. Now, this, my, my choice for number one is extremely boring. It's something you'd already seen before. It won Best Picture at the Oscars just a few years back, very recently. Can't even remember. Ago, maybe. A little, uh, a little South Korean uh, joint from Bong Joon-ho called Oh, Parasite. right, yeah. That's obvious. That is... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's so obvious. It's not... There's literally, what, what should I say about Parasite? It, 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 it's so good. It won the best picture. It's a best picture winner. I, it's a, it, no, no, it's no. It, to go further, it. it's that rare thing of a truly deserved best picture winner. Yeah, a foreign language best picture winner. It's incredible, that film. I mean, come on now. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this. This time that I had watched it, so I watched it with you this time, that we, like, side to side, it was the third time I'd seen it, and the best. Anyway, you go on. Yeah, well, there's not much. I mean, it's a story of a family of grifters and their relationship with the family that they try to con, and it's themes of social inequality, and we, we talked about it. Hitchcockian filmmaking. Yeah, on the episode, but I think well, the, the most important thing is it cost $15 million. Ugh. That is all. I mean, it's a tiny. It's 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 groundbreaking for what. And it's a writer director, like that. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, the level of achievement is exceptional. It so. is. Yeah, yeah. That's my number one. That's my number one. I'll just I'll fire through my honorable mentions because I've just got three, and they've just got one word after each of them, to which you know it sums up. 
So I said the uh, the other film we chose that week, which had a big effect on me. I think I almost preferred it to Parasite the week of viewing, but uh, you know, Parasite has stuck with me longer. And that was the uh, Handmaiden. Handmaiden, and I just said twisty. That was my one word review. I also mentioned Titan, and I said metallic. <laughs> and then the films of Sean Baker, I said Americana, because I I was watching all of them for the first time. Florida Project. Oh wow. And all and all the others, but they didn't make it into the top five. But uh, I, they all have kind of clumped together in my head as one thing, as one long film. Yeah, and they th- were excellent. That's fair. I mean, Red Rocket. I I rewatched Red Rocket over Christmas film. with my younger brother. I think that's uh, uh, and it w- and I, I also want to re uh, re listen to that interview he did on We Might Be Drunk because he's such a charismatic. Yeah, he's fucker. very funny. Yeah, but Red Rocket would be straight into my honorable mentions. I would also like to say that I apologize to Master and Commander. Um, I've just seen it so many times, but it was still the best film I saw this year for the podcast. It's not even a film at this point. It's such. It's, it's like a family friend. It's, yeah, just, What's it doing on a I list of films? I love it so it much. I love yet. it so much. It's a story that we passed down. Yeah, it's like it's on that list of films with. I don't know, Heat and Saving Private Ryan and and shit that I can never watch too many times anyway. Yeah, my other honorable mention would be uh, Atlantic City. I had a very, very, very Mm. good time with Atlantic City. I found it quite surprising. And yeah, I enjoyed it an awful lot. Susan Sarandon's boobs. Yes, Susan Sarandon's boobs. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, maybe we can move on to our worst toss pick slash companion films. Okay. Maybe we should start with our dishonorable mentions. Oh, like some of the worst ones we saw. Yeah, yeah, just the worst ones that were not... I've made reference to all of the ones so far that would be on my dishonorable mentions list. Yeah, you have. 1492 Conquest of Paradise. It's round. Blackula, barely a film, but still had at least some fun shenanigans in there. One from the Heart pained me. I know you quite liked it. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it. I find that... I find that very, very hard. They're all my dishonorable mentions, so I think it's pretty clear what my worst one is. What about you? What are your dishonorable mentions? I mean, all of those. I'd I'd rather just go straight to it and have it okay, out, have it out for the worst okay, worst okay, one. No, I went first then, for uh, last time. Okay, well, clearly I've already mentioned my worst film. Similar to Master and Commander, it was a, it was a one and done that was supposed to form a big franchise. We've watched some clunkers for the podcast, but few films have pained me as much as Justin Kurzel's Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's incredibly bad. They took they took an extremely successful video game IP, a budget of $125 million, a cast including Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, Jeremy Irons, Brendan Gleeson, and Omar from The Wire, yeah. and managed to shape that into 115 minutes of absolute drivel, bereft of plot, stakes, memorable characters... It's like watching a bad two-hour music video, which essentially killed a film franchise before it could even start. Assassin's Creed. It's really hard From to the argue with that. the guy who made Nitram your best film. It's, it, it's really hard to argue <laughs> with that. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm going to agree yeah. that that's the best. Those are facts. You just, yeah, you just. That's have the to worst pick, film of uh, that we watched this year for the podcast. However, I did pick a different one, so I will yeah. rant in that direction. Yeah, the honourable mention is obviously Blackula, but Blackula had one or two very funny moments that made me laugh a lot. Yes, um, true. That was the thing. That was the only saving grace. But I found 1492 nearly as much of a slog as Assassin's yeah, Creed. Not yeah. as bad as Assassin's Creed, but nearly yeah. as bad. It 
bugged me to my very core. Um, it was the definition of the, the thing that people com- throw at Ridley Scott consistently, which is that, you know, he's only as good as his next script, essentially. And, um, you, you know, I mean, that's taken to doubly potent means by the fact that this was cynically made for the 500th anniversary of, or whatever anniversary of America. Was it the 500th? Something like that. It was an anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it came yeah, out in 1992. yeah. Just poorly scripted, but crucially, and like the thing is, the wor- the, almost the worst thing about it is it's not, no, it's not the worst thing about it, but the nail in the coffin, let's say, is the fact that it is well shot. It's like there's all these <laughs> nice shots in the middle of it. And then whenever anybody talks about anything, it's just like, because the thing is, it's one of the most famous, daring historical things that has ever happened, what happened there. And the idea that it can be that boring, that pedestrian is just like, it was just offensive to my soul. But you are right. Assassin's Creed is worse. I'd watch. But still lovely. At least I had a nice piece of music to which uh, 14, 1492 had a had oh yeah a nice should we watch of, that uh, that week because that what's his chops died work. yeah Vangelis Vangelis yeah. yeah but fourteen ninety two would be my uh, worst of the year um it, but I'll give a special mention do you know what my special mention is uh it's nothing that we've mentioned so far well we mentioned it slightly what it's Chris Pratt starring oh the terminal list the terminal list would like the terminal list was quite hard it was work. bad. It was very hard work. That, again, similarly, it just felt like lacking in direction. Yeah. I mean, it was like ticking off the boxes of a plot, but not in any way that you would actually care about whatsoever. I would struggle to explain to anyone what happened in that show now. You felt like it was going to go somewhere from point, you know, every so often you'd be like, maybe this is going to turn into something, but no. Okay, so let's move into talking about our best films of 2022 that were released in the year of our Lord, 2022. So we're not just focusing on films released for the podcast, no? Well, uh, is it a spoiler released to for say the podcast? That my- <laughs> yeah, I think they took us into consideration <laughs> with their release dates. Oh yeah. no, the Friendo boys are off that week, let's not. <laughs> well, is it a spoiler to say that my best film of the year was actually one we covered in the podcast? No, so, there's no spoilers. I don't want to be a non-spoiler. Go for it. Well, well I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I, I mean, my best film of 2022, I decided to go for Top Gun Maverick. Oh, hell yeah. Choice. Fair play. Choice, starting with Tom Cruise's message to viewers that played at the top. This was just pure cinema after a couple of years of meh COVID times. Remember when, uh, remember when Tenet was the savior of cinema? Remember that? Yeah. Remember when Tenet was going to turn it all around and not even not even Christopher Nolan was capable of that. No, it fell to Tom Cruise and Joseph Kosinski who made a sequel to a successful 80s film which had become a, a bit of a cheesy meme. And this film, Top Gun Maverick, it was delayed repeatedly with people suggesting that it might in fact be a bit crap. No one was prepared for just how good it turned out to be. I'm, we watched it together in Dolby Atmos and yeah. it was a near-perfect cinema experience. I'm... Very happy to say that I was planning on being a contrarian, but it turns out I'm agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Top. I thought you were going to say everything everywhere all at once. Quite honestly, no. That that's that's my number one honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. My, um, mine too. I will say, had I managed to, had I been in Ireland the year Banshees of Inisherin was released, that would be my number one. I will say that. Yeah. But as a cinematic experience, Top Gun. It, it, it's just to discover that. 
there are so many latent sequels to films made in you know an era that people are now nostalgic about. But to watch Top Gun Maverick and to realize is like, oh no, the reason for this sequel is in fact, I mean, of course there's cash in reasons, but it is in fact, the real artistic reason is they can make Top Gun just way better now. Yeah. And they committed to that. But not only that, we've talked about this multiple times, but the ingenuity of the way they work the screenplay towards the final heist, to run you through it so many times that you know it back to front, that when it's occurring, it's like you're playing the movie as a video game, quite frankly. It's it's incredible, that final sequence. Um, And then it just turns into a Mission Impossible movie, which I'm all in favor of. Um, Yeah. Yeah, huge fan. It was my my pick as well. We agree. Yeah, it's cool we didn't share the list, but there might have been more no. drama if we yeah, did. Yeah, but I, I, I have the same honorable mentions. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Incredibly. Yeah, inventive. let's talk about that a little. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything like that before. The only reason it's not my number one is I felt like the first half hour to forty five minutes was a bit of a drag when I watched it. I think I might feel differently about it upon rewatching, but it was just. I didn't see that one in the cinema either, so that could that could have had a big effect on it. But um, it, again, it's a film that I that I really loved, and I I would I'd really like to rewatch that. Well, I so I've seen everything everywhere all at once twice at this point, and I would watch it again in a second. Yeah, I <laughs> mainly to try and kind of pick up more things. I suppose the different the apart from many other things, one of the principal differences between a film like Top Gun and a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once is um, there's there there's not many layers, nor does there need to be to a film like Top Gun Maverick. It is just such crazy physical filmmaking. And it's a film practically about filmmaking because it's basically saying, hey, look what we can do with cameras nowadays. Isn't this nuts? And it is nuts. But Everything Everywhere All at Once is also saying... Look what we can do with our imaginations, but also with your emotions, if that makes sense. And I'm not being too queasy, mm-hmm. because I think that is one of the main... That's kind of the knockout punch of the film. The fact that through their own mad logic, they carry the madness of the film through. But they use that mad logic to really make you feel things about like your normal life. Like There's a line in that film that is one of, it's now on my cry list of just... Even if I think about it, I'll, I'll almost cry. Do you know what the line is? Uh, I want to do laundry with you. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's not that. <laughs> it's like, I wish I was Chinese or something. No, it's I wish I was Chinese. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. No, he says, uh, in another lifetime, I would have been very happy just doing laundry and paying taxes with you. Yeah, if Except anybody hasn't you, seen that you out were, there. You were not happy with the paying taxes part. No, I didn't like that, Um, no. personally. Yeah, yeah, but if if anybody out there has not seen that, uh, it made a good bit of money. It, it did very well, everything, everywhere, all at once, which is nice to see. Yeah, um, I think those boys will go on to do a bunch of other stuff that will be equally successful and inventive. But yeah, my final uh, other mention would be um, we like you mentioned it before. The I've mentioned it already. But the Banshees of Inisherin. And- um, I would just say about this: I've seen Top Gun Maverick twice. I saw it in the cinema. I'll watch it again, definitely. I've yeah. seen everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once, once, and I will watch it again. Banshees of Inisherin. There's no limit to how many times I'm going to watch that film. Yeah, there's no upper limit. I'm going to see it. I mean, minimum five. There's only there's going to be a there's going to be a lower limit here. It's so, I, t- I don't know. I mean, it's, so you and I were like, certainly in Bruges would be in my top five films of all time. Yeah, we're definitely the uh, t- 
target audience for this film. Yeah, but I like I I I don't know. It, it, it's it is a comedy. It's definitely a yeah. comedy. It's a comedy above all other things, uh, and it's deathly sad. It like hurts you. This film. It really hurts you. Yeah. Like you feel parts yeah. of it when the. Yeah, it says spoilers, spoilers oh. for Banshees of Inisherin. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry, we're gonna for spoil Banshees it. of Inisherin. But when Jenny the donkey, when Jenny dies, the donkey dies, Jesus Christ! There's no sadder moment. And it is, by the way, you and would Colin pun- Farrell. His character is fucked up by that. Yeah, yeah. And his righteous anger, the audience is a hundred percent on board. Yeah, and like when, and the thing is, is like, um, there's very interesting moments in the film. Like, for example, when, like, he, Brendan Gleeson gets how old Mozart is sort of wrong, and it's kind of revealed that he might be just sort of a, <laughs> a, a pretentious a as well, character. Yeah. But, like, you're, you're actually right. Um, I mean, I, I've, you, you probably just read speculation of, of it, but it's definitely about the Irish Civil War. But it's also right. just about Ireland in general. Like, that culture of absolute pure resentment. <laughs> it's like an origin Scotland's story. Scotland's got a lot of that, too. <laughs> we definitely share that. Yeah, actually, yeah. The Scots can dip their toe in the banshees of Inishirn water as well. Um, okay, and we got one more to go, don't we? Uh, TV show. Well, I, I, I was just going to say the things that I didn't watch of 2022, which oh, there's so um, much. may have made it on there. Uh, Tar... The yeah. Kate Blanchett starring film from Top Field. I saw a trailer for that in the cinema the other day. That looks amazing. Triangle of Sadness from Ruben Oostland, yeah. which looks very solid. I have a and list. All quiet on the Western Front. I never got through. I haven't got around to that one yet. I have a list on my Google Doc of that's just called Films to Stay Relevant. Um, and oh, those man. are all on there. Just so you can go to like cool cocktail parties and, and spout views on the latest hey Netflix say has show. anybody seen toy story 4 what's the deal yeah, with spoonie glass onion what did you think what, what did you think about glass onion i yeah. really enjoyed glass onion i've only seen half of it you now, finished but it you're a liar yeah. if we finish uh, podcasting in the next uh 15 minutes I, i'll get to watch the, the I end think that's that's definitely realistic all right let's so, aim for that <laughs> next up we've got the best tv series of 2022 the best tv series that aired mm-hmm. in 2022 I've got two honourable mentions and one best TV series. Well, there's only one best. I think we covered it. It's Andor. Andor's the best thing. If you listen to her over-the-top review, Uh, which I stand by 100%. 100%. Andor Andor is the best work in the entire Star Wars canon. It exists in the same universe as Jar Jar Binks and the Ewoks, and that is mind-blowing. Oh, my God. It just kills it so hard. I loved it. Yeah. I, the, some it lands of, a series of narrative arcs. Some of the people so that I have that I recommended Andor to have sent me pictures of certain episodes, and you you can guess what the episodes are. That's how <laughs> seared yeah. into your mind it is. God damn, it's so good. Yeah, it was amazing, incredible. I mean, it's not surprising considering the guy behind it also created uh, Michael Clayton, which is. Mm-hmm. An incredible film in itself, just brilliantly plotted in an adult way. That's what's so crucial about Andor. Star Wars for grown-ups, as if such a thing should exist. We should be out mining, Andy, not watching Star Wars. No, 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 no. That's fake news. But yeah, that is clearly the best thing. I, we definitely, I've only got one honorable mention, so it's definitely one of the two of yours. Reacher? Of course, Reacher. Hell yeah, yeah Alan Reacher. Richard's portrayal of the titular character... Cleanse the palate after Jack Reacher never looked back, which I watched during COVID lockdowns and had 
had really soured because I was like, how could Edward Zwick and uh, Tom Cruise make a bad Reacher film? But they did. Yeah, they did. But now this this big, muscular, tall Jack Reacher. Oh, it was so that's good. That's the only Reacher I care about now. I mean, I think the two, uh, I watched it in about 2.5 days. Yeah, I, I'm pri- I'm ready to rewatch this. If I didn't have a million other things, I was thinking about this just the other day when I was making this list, going because I was going down through our episodes list. I was like, <laughs> rewatch that, rewatch that, and Reacher jumped out at me, going, "Ooh, rewatch immediately the second I get a free house." So good. I well, would even rewatch just the first episode. Yeah, God, but that's like you know that's playing with fire. I'll rewatch the whole thing. I will rewatch the whole thing before the second comes out. Jack, oh, yeah, Jack Ryan definitely. series three is out now. I haven't touched it yet, but no. No, I still haven't watched series two, season two, so I don't know. What's your other honorable My other mention? honorable mention? Well, I don't know if you can guess. It was a big one. It was a big famous one for the year. Hmm. Finale and final season of a big show. Uh, oh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, final season of Better Call Saul. It uh, successfully landed the plane and has now left a cohesive story told over two shows, which I think if you started from the start of either either series and ran them together, I think it'll be very rewarding. I mean, you'd have no life if that's why you just sat <laughs> and watched those two shows back to back. That would take forever. Would you but avoid El Camino? Just, no, I would, I'd throw that in too. That's right, you know. Uh, I was that's, not that's a fan of that at lunch. all. No, I think the perfect like ending I I for... Even though I haven't watched the second half of the latest se- the last season um, of Better Call Saul, yet I will. But I think... Um, yeah, I just think the ending of Breaking Bad for Jesse is so perfect that from when yeah. I watched El Camino, I was like, you guys better earn this. And I don't mm. feel they did. No, I, well, I don't know. I thought it was fine. I didn't mind that. But anyway, uh, the final season six of Better Call Saul, I believe it was. Uh, I was just surprised. I mean, it's one of those things. They could have shit the bed and they didn't. They've, they've, and so it will exist for longer. It'll stay in the collective consciousness for longer than something like Game, like something like Game of Thrones, thankfully. Mm. And uh, yeah, thank God they successfully did it. And now Vince Gilligan can go off and make a completely different show, which I'm sure will crush. With well. um, what's her chops? She's leading. Yeah, what's her chops? Old what's her chops? Kim Wexler. Yeah, Kim Wexler. But it's not well, going to... It's getting very well, little awards ahead. love, which is well, unfair, I think, because I think the two Maybe the last episode... The, the last few episodes, they're... they're yeah, what I, I wouldn't say was... A, I mean, it wasn't my favorite series of the year, but I would say that it, like I said, it successfully landed the plane. They could have fucked it up, and they didn't. It's not, not perhaps the best thing ever, mm. but it's still very, very solid. And they avoided the many pitfalls that they could have uh, fallen into. I was going to give one more recommendation. I was going to give a best album. Oh, hell yeah. Do it. Yeah, I was going to throw this out. Just throw this out. My favorite album of last year was uh, Boat Songs by MJ Lenderman. So how come you never of, shared that with me? Well, I don't know. I, I'm doing it now. Here you go. You could check it out. It's a solid album. It's a bit kind of Jason Molina-ish. Uh, songs that name check the WWE, Michael Jordan and Jackass, among other things. General sort of indie fair from the US. It's know, pretty cool. Pitch, Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool, all right? That's that'd all you be need cool. to know. That'd be cool. Okay, MJ, it's cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> if, you could just, if you could just check that out on Spotify, that'd be cool. That'd cute. be cool. That'd be cool. Um, what about, uh, wait, I've got one more thing. Best game of 2022. Oh, here we go. 
I have no idea. I didn't play any of them. I I, I wait for like two years before I play <laughs> any of them. So I, have no, I had no idea. Elden Ring, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. everybody says Elden Ring. Whatever. Nah, it's a pile of shite. Yeah. Tetris was the answer. So I guess all that uh, is remains, uh, all that remains, is uh, for us to talk about anything that's anticipated, hotly anticipated for twenty twenty three. Avatar three is that next year already? Isn't that twenty twenty four? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I was just uh, poking the bear on that one. The Last of Us is a big one for me. The Last of Us starts on the fifteenth of January. Very soon. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Is that on a week-to-week or are they dropping it all at the one it time? It is. It's a week-to-week. I think the first two episodes are going to air on the 15th of January, so it's going to be nine episodes in total, but the first one is going to be long. Okay. Also, Reacher Season 2. Reacher Season 2 is, is a big one. Based on the 11th book in the series, Bad Luck and Trouble. Does that mean anything to you? No, I've read up to book 10. I like. I literally. I need to read this before ah. it gets out, uh, just for my own autistic sensibilities on that regard. That should be out by first time, first half of 2023, allegedly. Yeah, no, I've 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 looked into it. I'll I'll get a hold of that book. Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese Ooh, film. That should be out pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I believe that's out in March. I read the book of We've that. We mentioned a few others already. Oppenheimer, of course. Christopher Nolan getting the chance to make amends for Tenet. Yeah, that'll be fascinating. Fablemans, I haven't seen yet. You have. You didn't think Do much of it. For it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know what the main thing that's exciting me in the movie world? Because, of course, the most exciting things in the movie world just generally pop up. So you can't be excited for things that are just going to pop up. But what about June part two? That's got to be up your... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's up my alley. Narrow alley. For sure, yeah. for sure, that's up there. But the thing that's exciting me most, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, actually, is um, James Gunn taking over at DC. Well, it's funny you mention that because the one film that I've heard is going to be really good is uh, The Flash. Oh, yeah? Genuinely, I'm not, I'm not joking. It's got 45 credited writers, but... I, I, I'm not joking. Apparently, it's based on the Flashpoint uh, run of comics, which I think was like in 2011 or 2013, and it involves time travel. So you know I'm on board. He, and apparently, it's testing super well. He's one of the few properties that did not get axed by Gunn. Yeah, it's, they've they've stuck with Ezra Miller in spite of him doing some weird, weird shit. Yes, I've, he hasn't been shit canned yet. And some people have said that's just because they're waiting for this Flash film to come out, and then they're going to get rid of him. But apparently they've been sticking by him, so... Well, I mean, Gunn survived a potential cancelling. He weathered it. The new Guardians film looks good, but also... Galaxy 3 will be out. I think there's just this wonderful notion that DC Studios are kind of... They've got nothing to lose, essentially. Marvel are on a decline. It's undeniable, even if, you know, fanboys uh, wouldn't admit it. They are on a decline. And... DC have more charismatic, famous characters. They just do. Even in just the, the central trio, they do have those. And if somebody can get those off the ground and working together successfully, it, it, like it'll be magic for them. Now, Zack Snyder failed. They've gone to exactly the opposite end of the fucking spectrum. It's exciting. Like mm-hmm. Zack Snyder is po-faced and serious. James Gunn is anything but. I'm excited well, to see what that's he does. That's a thing you need to watch. Peacemaker uh, TV series. Yeah, that is that's true. That, that's true. That's, well, that, that's, a, that's a hearty recommend for me. Was that this year or was that last year? It was year? this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was this year. Oh, <laughs> so that, I suppose, what be, that was a great show. What I just said in that last three-minute rant was what I'm most excited about is movie news this year. 
because <laughs> nothing that James Gunn works on is coming out this year. Um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy three is no, but I mean in terms of his uh, DC right, properties. Right, right, yeah, nothing of the DC share. They're gonna do this hard reset and then. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not, like I'll I'll definitely go watch Guardians three because it's James Gunn, but I'm not really excited for anything Marvel wise. Yeah. No, no, no. Because there's also oh yeah no that's the final. If I do want to just leave this on one final point, obviously Ant Man and the Wasp. Quadrophenia from visionary, visionary director and enemy of the show Peyton Reed. Uh, there's nothing. There's no. There's no greater button to put on this episode than that. A film from Peyton Reed about an ant man and a wasp is coming out this year. So that is that's it. <laughs> there's no. There's no. Fight. That's. There's nothing more to be said. That's the future of film right there. Yes, indeed. And on that note, oh wait, it was a great 2022. Uh, I said it at the start, I'll say it again. I love doing this podcast. I love all the people who listen. And I love you, Andy. I love you all too. And you too, Donica. Is it bye time? It is bye. 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 Hold my hand, everything will be okay. I heard from the heavens that clouds have been gray. Pull me close.